You're tapping into For, For the, the Cultures, Cultures Podcast. Podcast with your hosts, Bex Bumble and D-Boy. Our mission is to bring y'all unapologetic Talanoa from, from the, the concrete, concrete ocean. ocean. This episode is brought to you by Cynthia McPeak and Tracy Lynn. Thank you for your generous donation in support of our podcast. We see y'all. What are we doing it for? We're doing it for the culture. We're going to start things off a little differently this episode. Yeah, uh, I know y'all have been really feeling our song association game, and we're going to bring it back. Don't trip. But we have a special episode because we have a special guest returning <laughs> to the podcast. <laughs> y'all, <laughs> y'all might remember her With some from mimosas. Okay. <laughs> Y'all might remember her from episode 20. Dang. She came through uh, and featured on the podcast with us. Mm -hmm. uh, we have in the building none other than Miss Alisi. Dulua in the building. <laughs> 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 thank you. Thank you for having me. Welcome. It's so good thank to have you, you back. Not only here uh, at the podcast, mm -hmm. but back in the Bay Area, Northern Yay. California. Good, good to, to have you home. back. Good yeah. to be home. Yeah. It's been really good to have you here. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, it, just a Do we have you for I'm, good? I'm not from the Bay Area. Okay. That's right. That's Before right. some Bay Area folks get on me about that. What? <laughs> but you, were you raised out here? No? I was raised in Monterey. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Which is not Bay Area. I am right. aware. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Don't come. Don't at me. Don't, no. come. <laughs> don't, don't come, come for her. her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, so we. Um, uh, at least you just want to let you know if people come for you. Come get me, Dan Boy. We'll come you for that. You already oh, know. I already, I, I already know. Yes. We got you. Um, so to to do sort of an icebreaker for us, to get us, you know, in the in the mood of what the episode is going to be, we'll turn the tables over to you, Paula. All right. Um, so thank you for, first of all, thank you for having me back. Uh, I was here before y'all turned 21, and so <laughs> I appropriately brought some uh, goodies. Some bubbly. Yes. Some over 20, 21 and over goodies to, <laughs> to this morning. Um, uh, thank you for the opportunity to do this. I think um, this activity I want to offer up as a practice. Mm -hmm. um, there are a lot of podcasts out there that offer up practices so I th that I, I enjoy. So I see this part as offering that up. Mm. Um, and so I hope that if you're listening to this, that you also participate um, on your end, um, because I'll hopefully take you on a little bit of a time travel activity. Uh -oh. yeah. So I don't know if you have, Danny Boy has a pen and paper, but you I can just keep this in your mind. If you have a piece of paper, it's good to write it down. Um, but we're going to start with, I hope you don't mind sharing your ages on here. Do you? Mm. Nope. No? Okay. I'm, I'm um, 35. Yeah. I'll be 36. You feel 39. Get ready to hit that 40 mark. You that feel half, me? That half of 80. <laughs> half of 80. <laughs> <laughs> All right. There's a lot of celebration around that. Okay. Yeah. I want to take you on a little bit of going back in time. Okay. So this year is 2020. Mm -hmm. How old were you in 2010? I want you to write it down. How old were you in 2010? Damn, really? No wonder why. <laughs> Damn, I was 26, bro. 26. How yeah, old were 29. you back? 29. Mm -hmm. How did that feel? I, sp I what felt like were I was you? What, who who were you in 2010? Naive. Mm -hmm. Oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. I was um I was a I was a uh, 
a youth pastor. Oh, yeah. wow. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a significant position at that age. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 26. I just probably been in L.A. for like a good six, oh, yeah, six yeah. months. Mm-hmm. I was figuring my shit out. I wasn't like I had maybe not a whole foot out the closet, but maybe like a toe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I had a toe. I wasn't completely out of the the closet yet at mm-hmm. that point. Sheesh. Yeah, what was going on in 2010? Um, well, I remember doing a lot of work with uh, the community, mm-hmm. with yourself, mm-hmm. and a lot of other leaders back then, um, doing work around leadership development, mm. around senses, and I was also a student at USC, struggling. Okay. Uh, Dang, it's all coming back to me now. It's a different life now, right? <laughs> I was, different life now. I was about uh, maybe 150 pounds lighter. Uh, <laughs> for you know, real. Okay. Yeah. I could break a neck or two. <laughs> okay. Okay. What about you, partner? What about yeah, you, partner? See, I just graduated Bible college. I was um, getting ready to, yeah, I, th- I went to my first um, mission trip. So I was overseas for a few months after that. Mm. I went to Ethiopia. You and did? Wow. Yeah, during that time. I went to Ethiopia. Oh, really? Yeah. Addis Ababa, that's where I went. Yes, <laughs> me too. <laughs> oh, shit, that's what's up. We'll talk about that's that. Yeah, we'll talk about it later. <laughs> that's tight. <laughs> but, yeah, I was heavy in the church game, mm. heavy doing uh, church leadership, church ministries, planning churches at that time, too. You know, I was a closet, <laughs> closet girl during that time. I don't. I can't even recall even, like, Thinking about my sexuality dur- during that during time, that too. Time. Yeah, I was just you all about, busy. like, work, mm-hmm. you know, and wanting to just do God's work at that Ministry, time. Yeah, I right. didn't. I wasn't even thinking about, like, my own personal. Yeah, so. Wow. Is that when we wow, met? Maybe a little after no, that. No, after that, yeah. After that, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Does that feel like a totally different world? Yeah. 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 Hella. Yeah. yeah. Hella. Okay. I want to bring you back to 2020. Damn. Mm. No. <laughs> Why? No, just kidding. Damn. It, it's still going to be there whenever you want to go back, you know. <laughs> All right. So now I want to take you into the future. Okay. Mm. I want you to think about the year 2030. Oh, shoot. Please write down how old <laughs> you Bang, bang, 49, gang. <laughs> <laughs> how old will you be in 10 years? Dang. Oh, my gosh. I'll be 40. I'll be knocking off half of a hundreds, though. Jeez. How does that feel? I'm actually excited to get to this age, mm-hmm. really. I feel I'm, like I got shit to do. Mm-hmm. I know. Wow. I really do. Yeah, what is that source of excitement? Because um, I'm hoping to be a lot more settled, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm hoping to even be settled with, like, Career-wise, family-wise, you know, just a lot more settled as just a person. You know? Yeah. That's what I'm hoping. And I hope life will be better during that time. Our economy will be better. <laughs> all together. <laughs> yeah, all together. Real talk. I've been thinking about this probably secretly. <laughs> secretly? And you're going to share it with the world? Yeah. Do fuck it. it. Might as well because it's some real shit. Is that like, I hope I make it to there. I hope I make it past. That's facts. I hope I make it to 46. I hope I passed 46. Okay. No, that's facts. Okay. Uh, just because of, you know, health. Yeah, that's real. Because of my family's history. Mm-hmm. You know, my uncle passed when he was uh, 49. Mm. So mm. I've just been kind of, you know, thinking about it, especially I have an uncle who when I ever, whenever I see him, he always says, you know, you're heavy, 
you, mm-hmm. you and you drink and you smoke mm-hmm. and you don't eat well you know like you gotta you gotta do better yeah of course i don't yeah. want to hear that shit but yeah. it is real yeah that's you know that's what i think because i'm feeling it now too so it's just yeah i think that i've been thinking about that mm. we we need you here in 2030 yes yeah we will have you here in 2030. yes i will be yep. here yeah. we're gonna put it out there and, okay. And beyond. Damn it! You better be here so here my fiftieth because <laughs> <laughs> by twenty thirty I'll be 30, uh, 2031. and then you gotta need you for the next year, dang boy. <laughs> okay. Okay. Now that you're thinking about who you will be in twenty thirty, mm-hmm. I want you to take someone along with you. So pick someone in your life that you want to take with you, or be alongside you in twenty thirty. Okay. You have somebody? Mm-hmm. Okay. The next thing I want you to do is to imagine what the community looks like in 2030 for you and that person. Like the PI community or just oh, community how, in However general. you want to define community. It okay. could be where you live. Mm. It could mm. be the people that you're around in the environment you are around most of the time. It could be the Pacific Islander community. Mm. Mm. Okay. Whichever. You can choose one. And if you don't mind sharing a little bit of what that vision looks like mm. for you and the person that you picked to be alongside you in 2030. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think thinking about the other person, can I share who the other person is? Yeah, if you, if you, if you feel comfortable. Yeah. I'm thinking about my, my niece mm-hmm. and mm. Uh, Tika <laughs> and Talina mm-hmm. and Suena, Suena, Suena. Um, I'm just thinking about the community being healthier, mm-hmm. uh, healthier in the sense of our physical health, our mental health, mm-hmm. right, and our spiritual health. If right. you know whatever that, however they will define that. Um, and I think. The first word that I wrote was like an accepting community mm. of uh, accepting others' differences. So free of hatred, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Free mm-hmm. of uh, judgment and um, opportunity for uh, like education mm-hmm. and um, career, I mm-hmm. guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. How old will Tika be in 2030? She'll be... Uh, 20 oh my god yeah 20 because she, she's gonna be 10 this year <laughs> oh my god oh my baby. Didn't even think about that she'll be 20 yeah either working in college or both yeah wow she'll be 20 uh-huh so this is the kind of Talina, community you want to imagine yeah mm-hmm. talina will be 15 and selena will be 10 yeah wow 15 jeez wow (laughs) they're all like that okay could you could you um could you share maybe like a wish that you would have for them in 2030 aside from what you already shared yeah well i feel like you know at that at that time period and the ages that they'll be Mm -hmm. They'll be developing as young women, mm-hmm. mm. and I hope my hope is is that they are um, 
on a trajectory of like being confident in themselves, mm-hmm. their their appearance, mm-hmm. um, and that they're good people. Mm-hmm. You know that they treat others um, with respect right. and, and honor. And I hope that they're. I hope that they will always be safe. Mm. Safe. Free from harm. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Okay. So I don't want to have to kill a motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want that either. Because it all be behind bars, y'all. <laughs> oh, my gosh. JK. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you. How about you, Bex? Yeah, I mean, I see quite a few people, you know, that I might to, would love to have in 2030. Like my family, my immediate family, my sisters, my nieces and nephews, and... You know, my boo. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I would love to see all of those people in 2030. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What kind of community do you imagine for them? Um, just a community that has a good sense of self-awareness mm-hmm. and, um, yeah, loving, compassionate community and understanding non-judgmental community. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why I keep thinking of just PI, like mm-hmm. in just... Just PI in general, as far as like just wanting that community in 2030. Yeah, and just wanting to see that community a lot more loving, accepting, mm-hmm. compassionate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Thank you. Great. So having having those things in mind, the kind of community you both want to see in 2030, mm-hmm. what do you think it will take between now and then for us to move in that direction? Mm. A lot of... What kinds of resources do we need? A lot of work. Mm-hmm. A lot um, of work. Mm-hmm. What kind of work? Um, uncomfortable kind of work, growing work. Yeah. Um, I think we will have to... Shit. Be more uh, involved. Mm-hmm. Be, more, right. be more aware of, I guess, the the political climate that we live in, how... Because it's something I've been think- thinking about in the work that we've done previously, just about how local government works, how right. the federal government right. works. Because um, I know we did a lot of work around advocacy and mm-hmm. having a voice and being at the table. And so I think just making sure that there's enough uh, resources out there mm-hmm. in terms of like um, money and mm-hmm. funding that goes to, I don't know. Like, you know, daycare mm-hmm. okay. <laughs> for these for these yeah. uh, kids, um, programs in the programs. schools, yeah, exactly. yeah, <clears throat> yeah. Because uh, you mentioned healthcare, healthcare. Yeah, you you mentioned that one thing that um, you want is for them to be safe. Mm-hmm. What is it? What kinds of things do we need to create a safe environment? Mm. I guess specific kind of laws or I mean what do you mean uh so like I'm always you know I don't know but with just with this conversation with like trafficking and mm. always uh, needing to be alert and not being I don't know I feel like you can't trust a lot of people mm, you know okay yeah. it's like yeah. I want to take them to where they need to go and then I want to uh pick them you know like take them back mm-hmm. yeah. or whatever so like that kind of safety, yeah. mm-hmm. being uh, free of harm. Yeah, so just like yeah. a safer, building a safer environment, mm-hmm. just more humanity, more yeah. compassion. Right? Yeah. You mentioned Bex. Yeah. 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 
Yeah, and um, just like even more, I mean, I feel like our community is already catching on to this kind of like wave of training, but like more cor- more coursework on um, financial literacy. Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah. Hoping that oh, shit. like our community is like free from that type yeah, of bondage, you know, right. because Teach us how to save. it's been generational, you mm-hmm, know, and it's mm-hmm. like, when is that going to like just be put to an end? And right. when, are, when is our people going to be able to just live, you know, in freedom and live in a place where they don't have to like, where they're, where they're um, stacking for their next, you know, for the next yeah. uh, generation, you know, they're leaving legacy. Like, mm-hmm. that's what I'm hoping that we will be able to learn from here until 2030. Right. And like, established it's it's already well established by 2030 mm-hmm. like you know just that that area of like just where they've arrived they're already financially there mm-hmm. and debt free right <laughs> like, right debt free at a young age like i'm hoping your niece by 20 is debt free right. you know like right. well she yeah. probably won't be in school by well maybe i mean like, but even 18. like if you if, if credit cards yeah. 10 years from now if they're in college like if they go to a public college should that not be free yeah right Mm-hmm. You know, those are the kinds of we don't need them to inherit mm-hmm. student debt mm-hmm. the way we did. Yeah. Right. Right. We don't want that for the no. next generation. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Great. Um, well, well, healthier think- options. Yeah. You know, uh, I think I, I don't know if it's called like a a food desert mm-hmm. that we live in. But, yeah. you know, like we're surrounded a- around a lot of fast food. We actually survive on fast food. Fast Cheap. food. Cheap, yeah, yeah fast cheap, food. fast, mm-hmm. quick, and you know, I, I'll be honest. You know, being at the supermarket is like, okay, get this, 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 and that, but we'll still pick up something on the way home. Mm-hmm. You know, right. like we got, mm. we have food in the kitchen, but we still, right. you know, like we're addicted to, right, the fast food. Yeah, and just to just to take it one step, you know, step back a little, one one step from that is, you know, because our parents we. Many of us eat that way because our parents are busy. They have yeah. to work because they yeah. have to pay rent. Mm-hmm. We have to live. Yeah. So maybe even in 10 years, less of that kind of stress. Yeah. yeah. Um, less of that kind of demand on our families. Yeah. yeah. Like you said, Bex, yeah. you know, so that, you know, there's uh, more possibility for us to yeah. choose healthier lifestyles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 And even by 2030, I'm hoping that we're a lot more relational because we're, mm. we're losing that aspect yeah. as far as, like, our communities. Like, we're not as relational. And it probably has everything to do with just, you know, like, the our, you know, technology mm-hmm. and just with just the stress of this world and having to juggle three or four jobs. It's yep. like it's causing people to lose that relational aspect. Right. And it's, killing, it's killing us, you know? Right, right. Get back to having more time to build relationships yeah. and deepen that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. I want to live there. I want to live there too, right? <laughs> I want. Yeah, I, I see want, you there. <laughs> I want that community. Well, um, I, I, reflecting back on what you shared, the kinds of resources that we need. These are all. I'm, I'm gonna bring you back to 2020. So we're back. We're back here now. <laughs> we at Trauma. least we have a really we have a hopeful vision of what we want for 2030, and that's something I can say that we can work on. Yeah. Right. As a community, as individuals, oh. that we can contribute to. Um, and, you know, just to get to the heart of this, I'm here today to talk about the census mm-hmm. um, and to connect it to what the, the practice we just went through. All of the resources that you named, financial literacy, um, uh, resources for programming, uh, even just to build a more compassionate environment, compassionate community. All of those things can be 
contributed to by resources that are provided by the federal government. Mm. And, we're not, and it's not that the, we're telling the government to give us money to do these things to change our community. This is money that we pay into in terms of federal dollars, our federal taxes, mm-hmm. in terms of um, any kinds of taxes that we pay to right. that, that go to the federal government. These are, this is the money that comes back to the community, mm. right? And so if we want to imagine a 2030 that looks more hopeful, that is different from where we are now, these are things that can be changed by the resources that's provided by the government. And much of that is allocated to our communities based on census data. Mm-hmm. Right. So if census data sees that there is a growth in children that are Tika's age right now in 2020 when we do the census, then there will be more money allocated to mm-hmm. that age group right. right? for programming, for after school, for school lunch programs, right, right. For, for better health care for children. Those kinds of things are um, provided through those tax dollars that are allocated based on like how many children of that age exist right now. Right, mm-hmm. And so then we get to create these kinds of things based on us showing up in terms of numbers mm-hmm. so that the government allocates those kinds of resources. Right. You know, there you know, um, federal lit- uh, financial literacy programs, right. a lot of them come through community development programs. Mm-hmm. Much of that is funded by HUD, um, the Housing and Urban Development mm-hmm. Federal Agency. Okay. All of that money is allocated based on census data. Wow. Right? Oh, wow. Is there a growth in urban communities, right? right? So those things are all of the data that is collected in census is what these federal agencies look at to determine how much money go to communities right. for these kinds of programming. Mm. So mm. the community we want in 2030 is absolutely possible if we participate in 2020. Right. And then help mm. to continue to build that work. <clears throat> so that that community exists for us. So hopefully in 2030, we look back at this conversation and say, you know, we imagined some of these things and we have it now because we participated in 2020 in order for us to contribute to bringing those resources. What has been the most effective way for you to collect data from like RPI people Um, in the Bay Area? In in just any kind of data, any kind of data. data. I think the most effective way is something you alluded to people that you trust, who you have relationships with Mm. talk there. If they're the ones that are talking to you about us doing a survey or us collecting data or part of a research project, if they're the, if, if I come to you and I say, hey, Bex, there's this research project we're working on. Would you fill out this survey? You're probably more likely to fill it out yeah. rather than a stranger asking you, right? That's so true, yeah. I think that's, that's the true. most effective way is that we have people that we trust in the community that are the ones that are doing the work and that are bringing the information to the community. Uh, and I think it's also just how you ran this activity with us, and hopefully a lot of our listeners were able to do it too, but I think just being able to connect these dots, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right, and make it all make senses. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. It it clicks because it tugs at our heart. Mm -hmm. And we're we're connecting, like, you know, just even for sharing about um, who I see with me, uh, you know, in 2030. Right. And talking about what I hope to see for them. Man, you know, it's real mafana. Like, I'm getting, Mm. I was getting (laughs) teary-eyed. Yeah, I mean, and, and, <laughs> and I think even for us, like I work in nonprofit, 
You know, both of you have jobs with the county. All of that money comes through federal funding, right? right? That comes through the state. So even the ways that we do, like both of you do mental health, behavioral Mm -hmm. health work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All of those programs are money that comes through federal dollars that comes through the state. Yeah. I I believe a lot of the work, like I know that my position specifically is funded through uh, MHSA, Mm -hmm. which is the Mental Health Mm -hmm. Service Act, Mm -hmm. which... I f- which I think is a good thing, right? Because yeah. that those dollars are are from the rich that are taxed, mm-hmm. and then that money goes into this programming. Yeah, and the way that they decide how much money goes to <coughs> who is that they look at the data and say how many people are in this community in this county. Mm. We need to allocate enough resources accord, you know, based on the population numbers that show up. Right, and all of that comes from people filling out the census. Right, mm. so. Um, I just, I guess I want to close this out, this activity, um, <laughs> so that we can, you know, move on to whatever you have planned next. Yeah. But I just want to say thank, awesome. you thank you for going on this little time travel, um, you know, going back in time, going f- forward in time. But, you know, for Pacific Islanders, time is circular, so mm. it doesn't right. matter. Right. Non linear. <laughs> comes so right much. back. Right. Yeah. Thank you for, yeah. for taking us there. Bruh. Can we? Can you break it down for us just real quick? Like, what the hell is the census? <laughs> why? Why, sh- why should we care about? Right, why we gotta be a Actually, part this of this? Activity really broke it down. <laughs> <Why>? Okay. <laughs> so the most technical piece of information is that it's a constitutionally mandated process um, that the government has to count how many people live in this country every ten years. It's mm-hmm. written in the constitution, so they have to do it. Um, the other piece that I like to say is it is the most inclusive civic activity in the country. Mm-hmm. Right. So, I mean, people mm-hmm. people always um, are proud to be citizens because of the right that they have to vote. Right. Right. The census counts everybody. It doesn't matter if you're a citizen. It doesn't matter. Like, I'm not a citizen, but I get counted in the census because I live here. Right. Um, it counts everybody that's undocumented. It counts babies who are just born, right? You have to be 18 to vote. You don't have to be, you can be any age and be part of census. And it's something that contributes to the larger fabric of the way that this right. democracy works. And so that's the basic definition I, I gave you a technical one and then my own personal feeling about it is that I get to participate in this because I can't vote, mm-hmm. but I, I get to encourage people to get counted and I'll probably be the one filling out the census at my parents' house. Mm. So I, wow. get to be, I get to be a number. I yeah. get to matter. <laughs> I like how you yeah. frame that around... Um, you, you said something key. Sorry, I'm having a brain <laughs> fart. <laughs> That but, most of the, that's because I have most of them. Nah. <laughs> yeah, you had more than I have. <laughs> no, but um, boom, 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 boom. I know, right? The Jeopardy. <laughs> so, how come the census is so important to you? Oh. Um. Because I feel like you don't do this just because it's your job. Mm-hmm. You really believe in this. And I like the keyword right. you said, inclusive. Yeah. That makes me mm-hmm. feel connected to it. Right. 
I think just very personally, and this is like gonna be super be super boring to some people, but I I love data, um, mm. and I love data because it tells a story about whatever it is you're looking at that you that gives you more depth about something than than what you're just looking at. Okay. Um, and so for me, when I look at census, which is the source, the best source of data for Pacific Islanders, honestly, hmm. um, sen- the Census Bureau, the census is the one and only place, the first place actually that disaggregated our data um, to separate it and give us our own um, category, yeah. number one. Number two, it's the place that actually disaggregates even under Pacific Islander. And so if you look at the data from the 2010 census, they collected um, 20 different Pacific Island identifications in the census. Mm-hmm. Um, and they reported that data. And so you can actually see the growth of the Chukis community, which I, the Chukis community between 2000 and 2010 grew like 540% or something crazy like that. Um, you can look at data from like the Ponapayan community, from the Kiripati community. So a lot of our own Pacific Islander community that we're not always thinking about show up in terms of data. Right. And so that's what I mean by I, I love looking at data because it tells a more in-depth story about our experiences as people. It also is a tool that you can use to build work, to advocate, to help write policies that impact our community. Right. And so I, I guess I love census because I love data because of what data can do. It has right. a lot of power if we know how to utilize, utilize it. Utilize it, right. So, That's powerful. Yeah, maybe I'm just power hungry. <laughs> and I just, it's, it's one of the ways. I think you want people power. Yeah, people I want power. people power. That's right. right. Yeah, so that's why I get really, I re- get really passionate about it. I'm a very logical person, and census makes a lot of sense to me. <laughs> census, it makes census, census. it all makes senses. <laughs> <laughs> Word. Um, so, yeah, you said you said some key things I want to touch on. You mentioned that even if you're a citizen or mm-hmm. not, um, you can be counted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I know that. Because of the political climate that we live in right now, there's a lot of fear and fear mongering <laughs> around yeah. like folks uh, who are undocumented mm-hmm. right. being uh, p- participating in this process. Mm-hmm. Can you share uh, information um, about about that? Like, mm-hmm. should folks who are undocumented uh, steer away from the yeah, census? Yeah. No. That's the simple answer is no. However, we have to acknowledge that the fear is valid and it's real. Yeah. Right. Um, and if there's any way that we in the community can help to help alleviate um, some of that fear for folks, it's really important for us to get counted. Right. Um, because I know that I'm talking about this at the federal level because it's a federal process. But even in the state of California, where there is a lot of protection for undocumented Um, populations, um, census data is very useful. Mm. Um, And so, unfortunately, census is here in 2020 during a time where we have an administration that has really been preying on immigrants, um, immigrant fear. Mm -hmm. And so uh, this is where we are. We just have as community to do the work, right? Right. Because the most trusted people to carry this information are people that have relationships in the community so it's we need to get our faith leaders in the conversation we need to you know talk to like like the two of you who 
have built a platform that a lot of people look to for information and everything else. Mm. We need to be able to to have relationships to carry the message mm. with people that are trusted in the community. Mm. Yeah. Um, what has been what was really unfortunate in in this this uh, census is that. Um, this administration tried to put in a citizenship question very last minute um, into the census. Mm -hmm. And number one, you know, everything, you know, the census actually, it goes through the process. It goes through a process of vetting every single question to make sure that it, you know, it's asked in a way that's most clear, that it's not going to, you know, encourage wrong answers or whatever. Um, The administration tried to add a citizenship question after all the vetting mm-hmm. had already happened. Wow. Um, and, you know, they try to say that they were putting that question in so that they can better enforce the Voter Rights Act. Um, but all the evidence that came after showed that they really just, they wanted to add it to build, to drive fear into mm. it, especially immigrant communities immigrant, yeah. so that they don't fill out their census um, in the hopes that they uh, there's poli- more political power in their numbers, in numbers of people that actually fill it out. Because you imagine for states that have large immigrant populations, if they don't fill out the census, those numbers don't show up. Yep. They get to redraw yep. voting districts differently and then wow. don't account for a lot of those voices. And then those people don't get their interests represented the right way or adequately. Wow. And so there was there are a lot of these. You know, you see the same kind of fear mongering happening around voting right. Right, and right. access to voting. Right. So there are definitely efforts that have been put into place to um, especially affect the states that have high immigrant populations. Mm-hmm. Um so we're hoping that as people that are working in community that we can get as many people into the conversation into understanding census so that they can talk to a lot of those people right. that might have a lot of fear. Yeah, it's unfortunate, but it just means we have to do a bit more work. Yeah. It, it is unfortunate because that fear can take hold. Mm-hmm. You know? And a lot of folks are still fearful, and yeah. I don't blame yeah. them. Yeah. 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 Just, a lot of, they, won't do it. they won't move, budge, nothing. Yeah, and a lot of people already don't, you know, fear government, or they don't want to do anything that has to do with the government. Right. right. Which is valid too, you know. So it's just on us as community hmm. um, to have those conversations. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sh- and it should. Wow. We should also respect mm-hmm. people's space, right? Like right. if they just choose to not participate, mm-hmm. not don't push it, right? Or I don't yeah, know. What do you? Yeah, think? I mean, what we can all we can do is try to get give as much information. Yeah. Um, actually, the uh, census is. Census data is protected under Title 13 of the Constitution. Um, Everybody that works under the Census Bureau has to take an oath that they are not allowed to share any of the information outside of census. Census is not allowed to share any individual information with um, law enforcement Mm. under any circumstance. Mm -hmm. Uh And the way that the data is used for census is used in in aggregate. And so you don't just I don't just see Bex's information individually. Right. It's bundle it's uh Uh put into uh whatever category maybe if you're looking at like women pacific islander women it's it's part of that data so you'll never see individual data out of census the way that the data is used is in aggregate Mm. Um, and so there are uh, measures that are put in place in fact it's probably the safest um census in terms of laws that are put in place to protect people's data Hmm. now than before. Um, But of course, you know, people are still really fearful because 
this government has a history of using data in a way that has not served right, everybody, right? right? Mm-hmm, they used mm-hmm. census data to round up Japanese citizens um, during the internment. So that was real. There's real fear in the Asian American community because that actually happened. Right. And they use census data to do that. Okay. Um, but out of that experience, a lot of measures were put in place to protect people um, from that kind of thing happening again. Um, so the best you can do, best we can do is tell people and inform them. Um, and it's up to folks to decide whether they participate. Wow. Yeah. I'm going to take you a so much. That's heavy. Yeah, that is heavy. <laughs> I mean, insightful. yeah, hella insightful. I, I see... I see why the data matters. You yeah. know what I mean? Like why it's important to be counted is because like you said earlier, right? Data tells the story. Like mm-hmm. this this uh Pacific Islander community in this state lives uh below the poverty mm-hmm. line right. uh kind of information, mm-hmm. right? And then it helps uh more mm-hmm. money go to Resources go to those Resources areas. Resources go to those areas, mm-hmm. huh? Okay. Because uh, I know, like, you were saying that data is really mm-hmm. important to you. What, you know, like, what is it about, um, or or why? Let me see. Okay, so filling out the census helps us see the data about our community, mm-hmm. right? And you shared a little bit about why data is important. Mm-hmm. I was hoping you could elaborate on that a little bit more to share, like, how that data will impact our families okay. and our community. Yes. So I didn't even talk about, like, the why census is important. I told you why I like data. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So census is important. As I said before, it helps the federal government decide how they want to allocate their resources. Mm-hmm. Um, and those resources in general go to fund things like how many schools are built in communities, hospitals, what kinds of medical services are provided. It helps to fund um, emergency services. It helps communities plan for, um, you know, if you live in an area that you know floods a lot, hmm. you want to know how many people live in that area mm-hmm. so that you can prepare for any impending emergencies, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So um, the, da- the data from census helps the inform federal government, federal agencies on how they allocate money for services in our mm-hmm. communities. Um, and so, some, and even more specifically, it helps to determine how much money go to a state for student loans that the state is able to offer. Mm-hmm. It helps to allocate money for a national lunch program at schools, which I know a lot of our kids come up, you know, under those free and reduced lunches. Right. Um, That's right? me, free lunch. Right. And so, um, you know, me- how much money go to Medicaid, which is Medi-Cal here, mm-hmm. right? How much money go to Medicare to care for our elders? All of those different kind of programs are determined uh, based on what census numbers say about, you know, what is... I was even thinking about like anapesis, right? The school, the Asian American, Native American, Pacific Islander Serving Institution designation is based on a lot of this data. Oh, wow. Right? So funding goes to different schools to serve different kinds of students. That's all census data. Hmm. Um, and it's, I know that we talk about census every 10 years, but also this, the, this census helps to inform ways that the census also develop other kinds of more um, or more um, 
more surveys. Mm-hmm. Um, there are there's the American Community Survey that's like way longer and asks for more information. Um, the way that they determine who they survey for that is based on what the census data here um, collects. Mm-hmm. So they can like get a sampling that's representative of the population. Um, and so it, it's not just the numbers are not just counted this time, but these numbers also help to inform other kinds of surveying that help to bring more information about our community so that we can use it to decide on what kinds of services our community needs. Wow. So wow. it's it's about like the overall well-being of not just the individual, but also the larger community, right. mm-hmm. because all of that require resources. Right. And although as individuals, we contribute to that. Many of those things are supported through the government, through tax dollars that we pay into. And that is based on the numbers that come out of us filling out the census. Yeah. I, that's helpful. helpful. Yeah, yeah. No, it's helpful. And I see the I see the civic duty in mm-hmm. participating because this is something that we're paying mm-hmm. or we're paying into mm-hmm. the tax, you know, like. Ta- our taxes and everything we're all getting yeah. taxed you yeah you don't have a we're, say in that right we don't have a say in that <laughs> but like contributing to the census uh what else voting yeah. you know just all yeah. those kind of thing works its way around to mm-hmm. hopefully show back up in our communities yeah. for my family and yours yeah right right yeah i mean the way that i think about it is filling out the census is like me betting on myself Mm. Right, it's like us betting on ourselves. Mm. Like when we fill that up, yeah, I should put on a T-shirt. That's quotable, right? (laughs) Yeah, but uh, you know, when we fill out the census and our numbers show up, it's us betting, like betting on ourselves. It's us saying, like, I'm here. This is, you know, my presence here requires these kinds of things, and it will account to, you know, bringing resources to the community. I don't know. I. Let's just stick with us betting on ourselves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a good way of phrasing it. Um, I don't know if this is a, the appropriate time to ask this question, but you had mentioned this, uh, uh, um, something about redistricting. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? Okay. Um, so one of the other things I explained of the resource part of uh, why census is important. The other reason why census is important is, um, this process of redistricting. Okay. So following every census, uh, every every community across the country gets to look at the numbers that come up in terms of like how many people live in what areas. And they get to redraw the, the boundaries of um, districts that have, for example, like if we're looking at Congress, mm-hmm. right, you have the two two houses. You have the House of Representative and mm-hmm. you have the Senate. Mm-hmm. Um, and re- the redistricting process decides how you draw the lines in a community to say this is the district that uh, needs somebody to represent. So if you end up having a growth in the community, clearly you need more people to represent that area, right? right? Mm. So the redistricting process decides, like, how you draw the lines in the community that pro, um, that decides, like, who gets, that, that that area gets a representative. I hope that makes sense. Um, and one thing that I want to say about that is because of a lot of the fear that has been driven in, in the community, especially around um, immigrants, uh, because of that fear... We risk, California risks losing two House seats in Congress because if people are too fearful to fill out their census, 
then we will have an undercount in California, which means when they redistrict, when they redraw the lines for representation, then they will, we will have less districts, right? Mm-hmm. So then we will lose two seats in Congress, which means that less people, less voices are represented, right. less power in our communities. Oof. And so the, that's what the redistricting process does is it divide it decides like voting voting areas. Yeah. Right? So I'm not sure if you're if you know, like who you're um, and that's not just at the federal level. Right. That's even like city count all the way down to city council, um, school boards, all of those kinds of districting. Like, you know, you have the county. You both work at the, at the county. Yeah. You know, county usually have you have like five boards of supervisor. Yeah. Each supervisor has a district. Right. Those districts, it's mm-hmm. the redistricting process is the process that decides how to redraw those lines. Oh. For like who's in district one and who's in district, district two. Oh. I forget what the districts are because the, the the board of super one of the board of supervisors that I am most familiar with mm-hmm. because he's in the community a lot is uh Canepa. Mm. And, and I know it's probably in San Francisco. It's like it's like Daly City, mm, San Mateo County, Brisbane, San Mateo mm-hmm. County. Yeah, yeah, I know. But the, there's different ones like with South. There's uh, yeah. Warren Slocum, Slocum, mm-hmm. yeah, Slocum, and then yeah. there's a few others. Hmm. Right. So you know, even so, you can look at all the different levels at the federal level, state level, even the state level. You have assembly districts uh-huh. and senate districts. That is your representation in Sacramento. Those districts are different from the districts that are drawn to represent you in D.C., right? So you have different House of Representative District. How, uh, well, you get two senators per state, so that I guess that doesn't really matter um, at the federal level. But the House districts are also, like, redrawn every mm. year. The really interesting thing about um, redistricting is that California is one of the few states that has a citizen commission that decide how districts are redrawn. Mm -hmm. So they actually have people in community that either get nominated and get put into the commissions that make the the final decision on uh, district redrawing. Um, And that process is contributed to through like um, community forums. Usually like you'll we we did this last census. So after last census, they in L.A., they were like, we're going to have a Pacific Islander um, town hall to talk about how Carson. I remember I went to a lot of those meetings, how the Carson districts are drawn mm. um, because a lot of com- because other communities are larger than us. They get to have a lot of say and they say we want to preserve this uh, area because it has a large African-American community or some other community. We want to preserve and keep it intact. What happened a lot of times is that if, when we were not at the table, our community gets chopped up. Mm-hmm. And so, like, there's a little bit of us in that district and a little bit of us in that district. What that does is we can never have enough collective power when it comes to voting. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. if we're cut up into different districts, we have, like, 10 people in that district and 10. But if we're kept intact in one district, then we, as Pacific Islanders, especially in somewhere like Carson or Long Beach, right, yeah. um, you can see the same similar community clumping here in the Bay Area, if you are kept intact in redistricting, a lot of times we become the swing vote in some elections, Mm -hmm. right? Because then we have enough people to swing the vote one way or the other. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that becomes really important in terms of like voter power Mm -hmm. in communities Mm -hmm. is that if the redistricting process keeps us intact, then as as a collective uh, group, we we become a voting block. 
right? So that's the important part about redistricting. And all of that redistricting process is based on census data because they have to look at the number of people in the population. (laughs) Heavy shit. That stuff is... We just did a course (laughs) on census 2020. Yeah, that stuff is really, really crucial to how things get decided for us. Yeah. When we don't participate, then other people get to make these decisions for us. Right. So... Wow. We got we to gotta bet on ourselves. Yes. yes. We'll take a break right here, y'all, and be right back. Are you or someone you know pregnant and interested in free doula support? If so, a doula supports pregnant people and their families before, during, and after birth through education and advocacy within the hospital system and unconditional loving support in order to help families have the positive birth outcomes and experience they deserve. Mana Pacifica stands for Maintaining Ancestral Knowledge and Autonomy and is a San Francisco organization of community-based doulas providing care by Pacific Islanders for Pacific Islanders. All of our services are free and accessible to families birthing in San Francisco. We have openings all the time, so if you are interested in our support, please visit sisterweb.org slash mana-pacifica to fill out a referral form for care and read more about our program. Please don't hesitate to reach out to us, maile at m.chand at sisterweb.org or rutalauleva at r.aiono at sisterweb.org with any questions. Okay, so before the 2020 census, Native Hawaiians and Pacific Islanders uh, were grouped together with Asian Americans, right? So the the form that, um, let's say, my parents were filling out or my grandparents were filling out was Asian Pacific mm-hmm. Islander. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of the elders in our community, especially, you know, some of them are no longer here with us. Uh, fought for us to be counted separately mm-hmm. because we were not experiencing the same things right. uh, in terms of you know our socioeconomic status, mm-hmm. health outcomes. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were being lost in uh, that information. Right. Uh, could you share a little bit about um, you know the history of our communities? Uh, advocating for us to be counted separately and then Mm -hmm. what it means because you shared earlier about the data being disaggregated by the census Mm -hmm. what does that mean and what's the importance of of it yes so um first i want to say i'm not i'm not an expert (laughs) (laughs) on this stuff there are other people that know how to talk about this um in more depth but the little bit that i know i'll share so in the late 90s um the census, the 1990 census was, um, you know, we were grouped as Asian Pacific Islander category on the census. And um, after that census, uh, there was a lot of really robust community work that was happening with a lot, a lot of the elders. And I'm sure, you know, people's grandparents are probably the ones that were doing that work, both up mm. here and in Southern California. Mm. Um, and so in 1990, 1997, as 
as a result of a lot of that work. Um, the Office of Management and Budget, which is the federal um, branch of the government that decides on how to implement like racial and ethnic as, um, assignment, um, they put into I think it's uh, it's called OMB fifteen. It's uh, I forgot what the um, formal language is for the fifteen, but um, it actually puts into place that uh, Native Hawaiian and other Pacific Islander as a category needs to be separated from Asian American, and that was not just for census. Mm-hmm. It was something that was. Uh, put into place that is supposed to apply across all federal agencies. So all federal agencies' data collection should separate Native Hawaiian and Pacific Islanders from Asian Americans. Mm. Census has been the one place where that has been applied most um, consistently. Mm. And so as a result of that being put in place, uh, the 2000 census was the first census where native Hawaiian and other Pacific Islander as a category was separated from Asian American. Mm. Um, and so with that designation, three, uh, ethnic groups were separated to were identified under native Hawaiian and other Pacific Islander. And that was native Hawaiian. So there's a checkbox for these native Hawaiian, Samoan and Chamorro. Mm -hmm. And, you know, obviously those are the three, um, uh, breakout categories because those are the territories. Those are the um, groups that have uh, governmental associations with the U.S. Right. Um, I mean, the COFA uh, communities also have an association with the U.S., but they're not. Um, they don't have a checkbox. On what the communities? Census. What is the what does COFA mean? Um, COFA stands for uh, the Compact of Free Association, which is a an official document um, that is an agreement between the United States government and the federal states of Micronesia, mm-hmm. which includes oh my gosh, I hope I get this right. Four four countries: Ponape, Yap, Chuk. Mm. What's the fourth one? Uh, Pala? No, Marshall Islands. I was going to say, okay. (laughs) Marshall Islands. (laughs) And they have this formal um, agreement with the U.S. They have specific things in their agreement um, based on the the military and nuclear testing that the U.S. used their islands for. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's a whole nother thing you can do a whole episode that's on. Right. But anyways, um, they don't have a designation on the census form. So mm-hmm. the those three um, ethnic categories under NHPI on the census are is still what exists now. The funny, the not funny, the interesting thing is after the 2010 census, because we were doing so much work and there were a lot of community leaders and advocates during that time, we actually tried to advocate to expand and include more categories in the census for this census. Um, and we got as far as creating um, check boxes for Tongan, Fijian, and Marshallese mm-hmm. because those were the three larger communities. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, shout out to Calvin Chang, who was doing a lot of yeah. that work. Shout um, out to you, Calvin. What's up, bro? <laughs> um, who was doing a lot of that work and, and joining meetings. But of course, like his work was built on work that a lot of our elders were doing. Like yeah. Folks like Victor Payne, mm-hmm. who headed up um, a lot of the, what is it called? REAC, the Racial and Ethnic uh Action Committee under mm-hmm. census. Those are some of our elders. Cowan Young, June Poesi, Pat Luce, 
rest in peace. Rest like in peace, a lot of our elders mm-hmm. were actually in those committees advocating for us to have our own category and mm-hmm. advocating for even more disaggregation under NHPI. Mm-hmm. Um, we got to the point where the census actually sent us a draft that included Tongan, Fijian, in addition to the the original three, included Tongan, Fijian, Marshallese. Mm-hmm. Um, and unfortunately, with when the new administration came in, they scrapped any of the things that were happening to advance <sighs> um, to, you know, better disaggregation of the data. Yeah. Um, and that's not just for NHPIs. I mean, there were categories under Asian American um, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. racial uh, group that were they were trying to advocate to expand to include some of the Southeast Asian right, right, right. groups. Yeah. Um, so all of those things were scrapped, even though there was so much work that p- was put behind that after the 2010 census. So that's a little bit of information. But the reason why this is important is because so many things in government is modeled after whatever the federal government decides. Mm-hmm. So in terms of data identification and data disaggregation, if the census is doing it, then as a community like us, we can say, we can, we can go to, Calif- to Sacramento and tell state agencies, right, and say, this is what the census is doing. We ask for you to disaggregate the same, right, mm-hmm. so that we as a community have a better way to collect data that is uniform across, whether it's federal or state, state yeah. right? Everybody's collecting the same level of data for our community, mm-hmm. and it's even better for our work. Um, because what we're facing now is that, you know, we get census data that's, a, that's disaggregated, but we can go to a school district mm-hmm. and we're still API. Mm. Right. Right. We can mm-hmm. try to go to like a, a big company like College Board that does SAT and we can say, can we see the data around our own students and how well they do in the SAT and our data is still API. Right. right yeah. So like Danny Boy said, when it's grouped, when it's aggregated like that, because we're such a smaller community under the larger API our data gets lost yeah. in that, right? Because they have to average all the numbers, things like that. So we don't get to tell a full story about what we need, what the issues are in our communities because the data is buried under some larger category. Right. Like the, the more, um, the bigger groups mm-hmm. that yeah. fall under the category, right? Yeah, Chinese right. American, mm-hmm. right. probably the biggest one. Right. In numbers, they are there are way more of them than there are of right. us. Yeah. And so when our numbers get thrown in there and is averaged, our our issues and our experiences get diluted and get masked and get erased in mm-hmm. that data, mm-hmm. in terms of data. Mm-hmm. So it's really important for us as a community to advocate for the disaggregation. And it's not to say, like, we don't need y'all or anything in that right. sentiment. It's that we need to be able to tell the full story of the experiences of our own community. Right. And in right. terms of being able to show up at a legislator's office with data that is Pacific it's Islander, right. it is really powerful to have that data in our That's hands. That's true. So. Wow. Dang. Yeah. That made me think of uh, the experience with our young people that we went to Sacramento mm-hmm. and uh, just thinking about how they led the ledge visits. Right. And I yeah. mean, that's because using we, the data, we had the California report that has our data that was disaggregated. Right. Mm. The, the, there was an event that we had, I would say back in maybe it was late 20, um, 2017 or maybe early 2018 that was around suicide prevention, mm-hmm. right? Because that's the field of work. And there was, um, 
we had questions set up around the room for mm-hmm. our community to answer that had a lot to do with how our community um, addresses suicide. Mm-hmm. And from from the California report, I used the statistic that says um, the number of suicide deaths among Native Hawaiian Pacific Islanders increased 170% between 2005 and 2010. Mm-hmm. Um, to have that statistic laid out on a, on a big poster paper at this event, you just, you just, I could hear everybody shocked by the question. Mm-hmm. That one had the most responses. Right. You know, so there's really a lot of weight in seeing these the kinds, numbers. these numbers. Yeah, because I'll speak for me personally. I know this to be true because I've heard about suicide deaths all my life. You know, you hear about people taking their own lives. Right. Folks you love, um, you know, from your own family or mm-hmm. even friends, you know, have done that. And, but there's never been a, uh, language around it Mm -hmm. right right? and it's something that a lot of folks sweep under the rug so to have this kind of information pulled out Mm -hmm. uh, because of this data is is really impactful because it it forces us to look at ourselves too to see like damn what are we doing right Mm -hmm. because i mean shit even this went beyond 100 percent. i didn't know we can go beyond that (laughs) you know um but just to have it laid out i feel like this (laughs) shows the importance of you know our data Right. being disaggregated because i mean there's so much more in the report in terms of education mm-hmm. health you yeah, know like the yeah. physical health uh issues and even socioeconomic mm-hmm. so right. um yeah. but you shared you said earlier that you know with this administration being in place a lot of that work has been um they've been trying to mm-hmm. get rid of it mm-hmm. so when the sense when the when we do this census mm-hmm. this year are we still going to have are we still going to be separated from Asian Americans? And mm-hmm. are we going to have as many distinctions as we did before? Right. Okay, so it's going to look, the data category is going to look the same way that it looked in 2010. Okay. Um, what we were trying to do after 2010 was to expand it further. Mm-hmm. But we'll continue to work on it after this. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's going to look this, the same as 2010, which is uh, we're going to have our own category that is the Official term for it is Native Hawaiian and other Pacific Islander. And then under that, they will list Native Hawaiian as a checkbox, Samoan and Chamorro. And then right under that, it says other Pacific Islander. And so if you don't check any of the other three and you can identify with other Pacific Islander categories, you check other Pacific Islander. And then there's a box for you to write in um, what ethnicity you Mm. identify as. Mm. And that is really important because... Although those three, Native Hawaiian, Chamorro, and Samoan, are the largest population under Pacific Islander, um, there are also our, our fastest growing Pacific Islander populations are under the other. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it is really important for people to check other Pacific Islander and write in your ethnicity. So mm-hmm. Tongan, Fijian, Chickies, Yapis, Maori, like whatever that right. may be you identify with, it is really important for you to write that in so that we can identify the growth in those communities or, oh, there's a Tongan community that's growing in where, I don't know, Napa Napa County. (laughs) (laughs) You know, so because a lot of times we know it in our minds like, oh, yeah, my my uncle moved to this area. 
But when you look at the numbers, it tells you so much more. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, it tells you that it wasn't just your uncle and his family. It was like 10 other families moved into that area. And are there services in that area to take care of those families? Are they paying attention to Pacific Islanders? You know, that's why the numbers are important. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I heard you use these two terms interchangeably, mm-hmm. Native Hawaiian and other Pacific Islander, as well as just Native Hawaiian Pacific Islander. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> is, I, I know Native Hawaiian other Pacific Islander is also known as Nahop- Nahopi. Nahopi. Uh-huh. Um, what's the diff? <laughs> <laughs> or even just the Pacific Islander. Or even just Pacific yeah. Islander. Yeah, that's true, too. So yeah. when... Um, the I said that de- the official designation on census is Native Hawaiian and other Pacific Islander. And so a lot of times you hear a lot of our elders who put in the work mm-hmm. to get our own category right. say Nahopi. Mm-hmm. And I respect them for that because they did the work for us to have that category. Um, however, many of us drop the other in the work that we do because we just don't want to have other people have people feel like they're the other. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we will use Native Hawaiian and Pacific Islander more often than we use Nahopi. So we'll say NHPI. And we get we get like an evil eye from one of the elders if they're in the room when we do Because <laughs> they're probably like, how dare you? <laughs> Who do you think you are? Um, and we, you know, we do that so that we have a... a mutual respect for each other mm-hmm. whether we are associated with the u.s or not mm-hmm. and so um even though in when we do work i can use for example when we do when we were doing work in southern california all of us we will call each other pacific islander to each other because we understand when we say pacific islander it includes native hawaiian right um but in formal situations or in, in if we're in a room with other non-pacific islanders we will say native hawaiian and pacific islander mm-hmm. and the reason why we say that is because it's a way of acknowledging that native hawaiians because hawaii is a state uh, native hawaiians are indigenous people to this country even though they don't have the they're not recognized as um indigenous or there's a specific designation by the federal government to recognize um, Native communities and Native Hawaiians don't have that. Yeah. Um, and mm-hmm. so it's a way as a, as a community, as mm-hmm. Pacific Islander community, to acknowledge the, um, that Native Hawaiians have a, they have a slightly unique fight as part of this country as indigenous people. Mm-hmm. And so we will use that. Uh, and we'll also use it as a point of education for other communities to understand that because a lot of, of other people don't think of Native Hawaiians as indigenous people. Yeah. Um, so. So you've been doing this work since 2010, right? Mm-hmm. So like what uh, things are you doing differently like this now, time around. this time around? Um, it's been it's the work has been, I can say the work has been has felt harder this mm-hmm. time around. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's because. The the administ- this administration actually cut funding for census mm. almost in half wow. for this census, and so there are less there is less presence in the community to do census work versus 2010. Um, and a very clear indication of that is um, when you look at census staff that are specifically focused on Pacific Islanders. I think there are four mm-hmm. right now 
they're called partnership specialists. There, I think there are four Pacific Islander partnership specialists in the entire state of California for 2020. In 2010, I think there was probably close, like 15 to 20 of wow. them. So there were more people in our community last time. Um, but this time we're, I don't know what we're doing differently. I remember last last summer I was already like getting anxious mm-hmm. that there was, we weren't hearing about census. There was no funding that was being allocated yet from right. the state. And I was like, in 2010, we were complaining that money was coming down too late. And we had to scramble to get word to our community. And here we are 2020 and we're doing the same thing all over again. So I don't know if I can say that we're (laughs) doing something differently. We're trying harder because there's less resources. Mm -hmm. However, there are more avenues of reaching our community today than 10 years ago. Mm. Social media was not as robust as it it is now. Mm -hmm. Right. So we have access to social media now. Um, people are using social media in very creative ways. Yeah. And so we have that. We didn't yeah. have that. Um, and the other thing, like th- platforms like this yeah. exist. Mm-hmm. In 2010, I think we had like a one radio show yeah. that existed that yeah. could talk about it. And, you know, it had limited listenership. Right. And so now with this, there are, you know, more people like you that have just built platforms for our people. Yeah. And so there are more ways to get the word out. Um, it's wow. it definitely feels harder this time around though. Wow. Yeah. That's huge. Uh, that is huge. What what can we continue to do to help bring awareness? Mm-hmm. Bring awareness, push the needle forward. Yeah. I mean, because I know that this is one way of us helping do it. You know, help to do that mm-hmm. is by um, using this platform. But yeah. like also other steps that we could do. Uh, well, one thing is this, this, these kinds of conversations are often looked at as like, oh, you have, you talk about that and then you put it aside and go back to your Mm. everyday life Mm -hmm. is, I think one thing that we need to do is to figure out how we can get something like this embedded into people's minds as part of their everyday experience. Mm -hmm. Mm. That when you think about, you know, when you're driving your kid to school to drop them off, you're thinking about whether they have um, good teachers or whether they have enough teachers or whether they have good counselors and what kinds of resources go into that. All of those things are things that we can contribute to as right. individuals mm-hmm. by participating in a process like this. Mm. Right. And so I think maybe normalizing the way we talk about this, yeah. that doesn't make it seem like that's just that thing over there that white people do yes. or, you know, educated people do or whatever. Right. Um, I think we need to stop putting those walls up around these kinds of topics as something that somebody else does mm-hmm. right. and make it something that is just part of what we consider as people that we that people that know that we can contribute to a process that makes a difference. Yeah. And I think you do that around a lot of other things. And I think um, I, you're doing that now in allowing for me to come and talk about this. Yeah. Um, and so I think continuing to to talk about it as something that is pertinent to all yeah. of our everyday everyday lives and not separating it as something separate, different. Right. Yeah. Maybe telling your friends to, telling your other podcast friends to <laughs> host a, a census person or somebody to talk about That's it. That's true. You hear since, that poly by design? Yeah. <laughs> since now we have we have a lot of great podcasts yeah, out there. Mm-hmm. There's a lot. Yeah, yeah. it's amazing. Maybe, I love it. Maybe we can cook something up. 
Yeah. Yeah. If y'all are listening out Maybe there. Maybe we can. <laughs> we'll be in touch soon. What, what should we do, Danny boy? <laughs> well, um, there's a... Should we? Should, should we? We can share. It with, we can share. Okay. We've been throwing it around. Yeah. We've been throwing this idea. Actually, I, you threw the idea my way, and I thought it would be uh, a great thing for us to do because we are all uh, in communication mm-hmm. with each other mm-hmm. in terms of the podcasts. Mm-hmm. Um, the PI podcast, right? Because yeah. they have risen in the last it's year. It's like a wave, right? Yeah, a huge wave. Um, and because this is so important to our communities, to our families, that um, Alicia approached me about uh, potentially putting on a webinar where we could, uh, where she could give a lot of, um, uh, do a presentation about mm-hmm. senses and give a lot of great information like she's doing here um, for all of all of us podcasters out there. Right. Mm-hmm. And then if folks are willing, mm-hmm. um, they, that you could link them to folks in their area mm-hmm. that they could have on as well like this right. to then um, have a conversation around the census. Right. Right? Yeah. right. Because I feel like, or the reason behind it was because the more we're having this conversation, right. the more we can mm-hmm. uh, work towards, ingraining this into our mm-hmm. our fabric of life so yeah. that we're always thinking about it that's good ahead of time yeah that's really good you know mm-hmm. so you came up with this idea wow that's <laughs> that's real that's good yeah you know and it's 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 just a way to help spitfire um <coughs> a lot of this information to reach more of our folks because right. you know yeah. not everybody's listening to us mm. right um why not why not reach out to this collaborative mm-hmm. um that we mm still want to form yeah. right of all of us pi uh, podcasters, podcasters yeah um to have this uniform conversation because it really is pertinent for our community yeah. to that's good um mm-hmm. bet on themselves yes, yes. <laughs> exactly. so we're putting it out there yep danny boy will email all of you yes, yes. <laughs> i will tap in with all of y'all because um, this is something that uh is an action that we're going to take as mm-hmm. for the cultures to make sure that we um we make it happen for our yeah. community. That's really good. Yeah, and I th- I mean it's really exciting. I was just at a meeting yesterday with a couple other folks that are not Pacific Islander, but I was talking about this podcasting as a platform that has really like ex- elevated right. in our community, and they were so shocked. They because they were saying like there this doesn't this isn't the same story we hear from other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so. <clears throat> I mean, in thinking about it, most people that are listening to podcasts are probably young people. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, like 30s, uh, may- maybe at the upper level 40s, you yeah. know, but all the way down to like 20s, mm-hmm. late teens. And, you know, even though they may not be the heads of household in their homes, they might be the people that their parents turn to to say, what does this letter mean? Mm-hmm. And what am I supposed to do with this? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and so if we can get this information into their hands, then they can absolutely made a, make a huge difference in making sure that our families are counted. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, because they may be the ones that have access to Internet and be able to navigate filling out a census That's form mm-hmm. online. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, even though a lot of people talk about it, talk about census being filled out and they're thinking about head of household. I know that for our community, 
um, since we're trying to get people to fill this out online, it's the first time that the census is available online. Dope. Um, that it might be a way that our young people might be able to contribute yeah. to this process is that they take it on for their parents right, yeah. in making sure that they fill it out. And with that, that means that we need to give them the right kinds of information mm-hmm. so that they feel knowledgeable enough to be able to fill out the census for their families. Because it's, um, you know, counting for census isn't just counting like who is in your immediate family, mm-hmm. like who are your parents and your siblings. It's counting everybody that exists on that address. And we know for our families, you know, you might have two, three families living in the same house Mm -hmm. under the same address. And so you have to count every single person, Hmm. Um, even if somebody's renting a room under that address. um, By 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 when they say household, it means everybody that exists on that address and not just family. So what if people are using other people's address? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what's what's really important is to fill out your census where you spend your time, mo- um, where you f- spend most of your time physically. Mm-hmm. Um, not counting, not counting for work, but I mean mm-hmm. where you live, right? So, if you feel like, you know, you if you use somebody's address to like go to school, don't fill out your census under that address. Nobody's gonna <laughs> check if you live there or not. <laughs> right? Fill it out where you live because you already know <laughs> the resources come to that those places and you are most likely to be served by those resources if you fill it out where you live Mm -hmm. yeah right so you want to count it where you live okay uh could you talk a little bit about the process Mm -hmm. of how the census um Mm -hmm. works yeah so um census actually has already kicked off alaska is already going through um their census process that they started at the end of january oh so every uh, every what state has a different date? Or? No, it's generally the same for everybody. I think for Alaska, they started it earlier because they have more rural communities. Oh, yeah. They, so they have to like go out into more rural areas. So they want to have more time to be able to reach uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. those communities. But the general timeline for census is um, starting March 12, the Census Bureau is going to send out a letter to every household, so to every address, that is going to have what they called your what they call your household ID number, mm. and the household ID number is associated with that address, mm. and so you have to use the household ID number to fill out your census because it I, it is connected to your address. Mm. You this year is the first time that censuses offer have uh, multiple options for filling it out. In the past, they've just sent you a paper form, you fill it out and send it back. Okay. This uh, census, you can fill out online. Right. That's an option. So you go on, the letter will give you the website. You go online and you fill out, you use your household ID, and mm-hmm. then you fill out nine questions. Okay. There are basically nine questions on the census. Um, it will obviously be longer because you have to fill it out for every single person that lives in that household. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you can do that online. You can also do it on the phone if you feel like you're, you know, you don't want to do, you don't want to put your information on the internet. Um, I can say that census has really gone, um, have taken a lot of uh, precaution with regards to online um, electronic kind of fraud mm. um, and your mm. data. Right. Um, they've gone through different kinds of like hacking. Hmm. I don't know what they call it, where mm-hmm. they get like hackers and try to get them to hack the system mm. to make sure that it's secure. 
So you can fill it out online. You can fill it out over the phone. The phone number will be on that letter they will send you on March 12th. So start looking for it mid-March. Uh, or you can fill it out on paper form. Mm -hmm. And the paper form, um, you, you can't request it. But if you do not fill out your form online or over the phone, they will send you a paper form, form on April 18th. Mm. So, and either way, if you end up not filling it out, they will send you a paper form. <laughs> um, so once you get that letter, you can actually um, fill it out at any time. Okay. What's really important is that if you are the one that's filling it out, you have to gather the full name and uh, date of birth for every single person oh. that's in that household because that those are that's the information you need mm. to put on there. Um, and you have to make sure you include everybody, even if somebody was just born. Um, you have to even count the babies. Everybody. Even the babies. Actually, California undercounted a million children between the ages of zero to five in the last census. So imagine the federal dollars that was not given to our community to support kids zero to five because we did not count a million of them. So make sure you count all the kids. Yeah, we were just talking with uh, Ruta and mm -hmm. Miley about mm. like the the low birth rates yes. of our of our PI babies. Right, yeah. And exactly. PI mothers. Yeah, and if you don't account you don't if you don't count all, you know, those then then people don't, you know, then whoever has the money doesn't know that like we need to give more money to this specific age group because there's a growing number of them that need the resources, yeah. right? Mm. So, yeah, even thinking about, you know, people that are doing birth work, mm -hmm. a lot of those programs are supported through that kind of funding and they don't know to put money to that if we don't account yeah. for for the babies. Mm -hmm. So same thing goes for elders and our yeah. Senior, yeah. senior community. Mm -hmm. so, yeah, so you get that. Um, officially everybody's been so official census date is April 1st um, and that's not like an April Fool's joke <laughs> <laughs> right it's census day is don't be April a fool <laughs> fill out your census <laughs> <laughs> so April 1st is census day even though you can fill out your census before that um, it is available in 12 different languages unfortunately none of our languages make that cut mm. um and so it's available online or on the phone in 12 different languages. It is only available in English and Spanish in the written form. Mm. Um, but there have been a lot of work that has been put into translating our census materials into our Pacific Island languages. Shout out to Epic and Advancing Justice AAJC um, who have translated our materials into eight different Pacific Island languages, which is the most number of languages in our community that has received that much attention for anything. I don't, I don't think we've been able, we've translated anything into all of these languages. That's dope. So that's available, and I know Danny Boy will put the link to that in the show notes. Yes. Yes. What a process. I know. <laughs> I mean, what what have other? It's actually really simple. Yeah, it seems yeah. very simple. I, I was under the impression that like this was going to be anonymous but when you said to collect names mm -hmm. and date of birth so I'm like okay I could okay sure <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll talk after yeah about your specific fears <laughs> <laughs> what um, is are there other things that other PI communities have been doing around uh, census yeah so uh, we have a lot of our community partners here in the Bay Area um, I know uh 
PCRC, Peninsula Conflict Resolution Center, has been the lead in the Bay Area of doing the work to get the um, get the information out. Shout out to Vo. Hey. And, um, <laughs> you know, folks like Taulama and Leafa and them uh-huh. have been doing work. Um, CSM's MANA program is also part of that partnership. Um, and I'm just naming a few, but I know a lot of other people are putting work behind this, whether they work for county or or do other kinds of work. Right. A lot of people are putting energy behind this. Um, but I also want to put out the word to our church leaders. Um, I know that a lot of our orgs are reaching out to them, but if any of y'all are connected to your churches or whether you're a youth pastor or a youth leader, it'd be great to get this information into your churches, maybe put it in the bulletin mm-hmm. or add it to your announcement. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, many of us are more than willing to come and do a really simple presentation, 10 to 15 minutes mm-hmm. about a census. Uh, they can give you the basic information that you need. Um, and so please like, let us know. Uh, currently, I'm a consultant for One East Palo Alto, which is responsible for work that's happening in East Palo Alto mm-hmm. and Bell Haven areas. Mm. Uh, but we're also, we also got some funding to do Pacific Islander-specific work in Santa Clara County. Hey. Um, so that's work that we're trying to do. <laughs> there, there's a growing community in Santa Clara County, right? Um, I was actually surprised San Jose as a city was the, has the third largest um, population in California, Pacific Islanders. Third? It's like, yeah. I think it's like, it's larger than uh, Long Beach. Woo, what? Yeah. Wow. So Long I, Beach I, mean, is I, was just, I was just looking at the data and it's like L.A., San Francisco and then San Jose. Mm, okay. Now, which I was surprised. The other thing I was really surprised by looking at the data is like um, the top five states based on 2010 census. The top five states with the highest PI population does not include Utah. What? Yeah. What the heck? <laughs> so right. it's like Hawaii, California, Washington, Texas, and more than Utah and Florida. 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 Yeah. So either Utah, either like that's actually factual or Utah had a crazy undercount right. in 2010. And I wonder, I mean, because. Yeah, Florida. I forgot. There was something that happened where like folks from the Caribbean were identifying, identifying as, as Islander. Yeah, it's possible. So maybe that's why Miami, but or not Miami, Florida. Florida. <laughs> yeah. But that's crazy. Yeah. Oh so, gosh. I mean, some of this data is really surprising because, you know, sometimes we're like, oh, yeah, we know where our folks are. And then you look at the numbers like, no, I did not know we had folks over there, you know. So Damn, I know a few Gina. Tongans that came from Texas, but I don't know. Like Florida, though? Yeah. More than you. I mean, I know, I know my Hawaii family's out there in Florida, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but dang. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's wild. It's a lot of great work happening. Yeah, so there's there. I know there's there's folks. Uh, I mean, where most of our populations are, there are, are different community organizations that are doing that work. Okay. So. Okay, I got two la- two two last things because okay. one thing came up that I was wondering about, and you know maybe you might have some information. But how are folks who are homeless mm-hmm. involved in this? process because i was just thinking like we live in the bay Mm -hmm. it's hella expensive out here we got family you know like folks who are uh, what do you call it couch surfing live in a garage live in the garage you know who got vouchers you Mm -hmm. know who are living uh waiting for housing you know like how does this happen if you don't have a physical address yes so um 
there are people that census is sending out to count homeless folks. Oh. And but but they only count people that they only go to places that they where they know there are large encampments hmm. of homeless and houseless folks. Mm. So obviously not everybody that's homeless or houseless are living in those areas. So if you're homeless and you're in a shelter, you get counted under what they call um, group quarters. Um, and so that is so places that get counted. So places that get counted in that way, which means the institution itself reports the numbers. Mm. So they don't have to be responsible for counting themselves. So that includes shelters, jails, yeah. and dorms. So mm. if you are a college student and you live on campus away from your family, you don't have to worry about census and your family should not count you because you do not live there. Right. You get counted by the university um, under group quarters counting. Mm. And that includes some homeless folks that are in shelters. Um, and so for everybody else that does not live in a shelter and is not staying in an encampment where you might get counted by a census person, you can actually fill out an online form of the census at any public library and use the library's address. Oh. Yes. So um, you don't need a household ID number. There's an option for you filling out the census as a non-household ID. So you can fill it out without an ID number Mm -hmm. um, and you can use the library as the library address. And there's a partnership with the census and uh, like public libraries to be able to offer themselves up in that way. And so I think the way that the census will look at it on their end is if it's showing up as a public library address, they will automatically associate that with like homeless population. I'm glad that there's attention mm-hmm. going to that because the homeless population, yeah. you know, is just... And I mean, right. for and then for our community, those of us that like you, you might have somebody that's like living in your garage for like a month or a few months or maybe for the year or you have to count them, include them in the count for your household. Yeah. yeah. So if they are living in the back, include them because they're on that address. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So how we want to land with this one yes. if there's an, if there's nothing else you want to make sure that we um there are places in the community called questionnaire assistance centers uh-huh. or quacks people will call it <laughs> it has um, a negative connotation to it <laughs> that um if you have any questions you could if you you know if you trust your community folks more than you want to go online or anything like that yeah. there are quacks in community where you can go and ask for assistance and you can also fill out your census at what they call QAKs questionnaire assistant kiosks yes. so uh yeah, i don't know why they anyway you can fill out your census so um another thing that people have asked is can i only fill out the census like with on my laptop for one family or one household uh, because of my ip address it, there's no tracking of ip addresses so mm. i'm gonna fill out my census on my laptop with my parents at my parents house then I'm going to go to my aunt's house and use my laptop and help them fill out their census, yeah. right? Like, you can do that Okay. Um, yeah, as a way to make sure that you get folks counted. Nice. Let's, uh, let's bet on ourselves, y'all. Let's, I know. Let's I hope get I counted. Didn't, I hope I didn't forget anything important. Anyways. Well, we'll come back to yeah. it. We'll come back to it. Uh, but just, just to, to take us... Out of this segment, mm-hmm. speak to the people. 
let them share. <laughs> hmm. What, what could you, uh, you know, just tell the folks yep. why right. they should be counted? Mm-hmm. The census... Um, participating this one time, your one time participation in census ensures livelihood for not just you, but your family and your community mm-hmm. for the next 10 years. Right. It's not just going to help you today and tomorrow and next year, but it's going to determine your livelihood for the next 10 years. And so just, you know, from the exercise that we did this morning uh, earlier today about what the next 10 years will look like for you. Your daily life is going to be impacted in some way or form by what census data is um, contributing to. Mm. And so, you know, call this something uh, something simple that you can do that will contribute to the livelihood of not just your family, but everybody else in the community. Right. Um, and so it's it's simple and it's safe and it's short. And we're here to help you um, do something great. Uh, be part of be part of the work. If this is one way you can do it, um, I encourage you to do it. Yes. Thank you, Paula. Fill out your senses. You. Fill out your senses, y'all. Fill out your senses. Tap in with these community <laughs> announcements, and we'll be right back. Our mental and emotional struggles never see the light of day. We imprison our feelings and emotions to protect and defend ourselves from pain. As a result, our challenges manifest into negative coping mechanisms that can destroy our joy and sabotage our freedom. Setting our mental and emotional struggles free can prevent negative health outcomes in our lives. The first courageous step we can take is to talk about it. Talanoa is healing. Is there something you would like to Talanoa about to process, unpack, or get off your chest that you haven't felt comfortable sharing? Do you need or wish you had someone to Talanoa or talk with and be heard? We at For The Cultures invite you to email us to Talanoa about your situation. Let us know what support you need or questions you may have regarding your situation. We may discuss it on the podcast and offer perspective, insight, and or advice if applicable. We will protect your identity and respect your confidentiality. We understand the amount of courage and bravery it takes to be vulnerable so you can rest assured we will not out you. Together we can learn, understand, and heal. Email your submissions to ForTheCultures at gmail.com. We are here when you're ready. All right, y'all. My ICU this week um, goes to a legend. Uh, We just got word via social media that uh, we just lost a a great leader, um, one of the trendsetters, the trailblazers out there in Carson. Uh, He's the founder of the Uso Club, Car Club, and his name is um, Kita, Kita Leolau. So I, I think some people have called him on social media, King Kita Leolau. And, um, yeah, he's just, um, he was, he's very big out there in SoCal, even out here in the Bay Area. A lot of people from my family have been posting just um, the impact and influence that um, Kita has had um, in their life. So I just want to recognize him and his family. We just send our condolences, our love um, to you all out there, the Lao family, and just want to say, um, just with your legacy, Kita, I, I see you. you. All right. Uh, my ICU this week is going out to a group of young leaders in Southern California um, who, when we started to talk about census, 
um, last year got really interested in wanting to do something. Um, most of them are college students, uh, young professionals. Um, they are not getting paid to do this. They just want to do it because they feel like it's really important. And so I want to um, give them a shout out. I also just want to say I really appreciate the young people that are stepping up to contribute to this mm -hmm. effort, considering the dire need for mm -hmm. there to be assistance and help um, for census. So um, I'm giving a shout out to Kadisha Tautua, uh, Michaela Scanlon Cubbage, Clara Ashu, uh, Melo Ahoya. Isa Sasi and Shireen Tuala down in Southern California who make up the uh, Native Hawaiian Pacific Islander Young Leaders Complete Count Committee. Uh, <laughs> ladies, thank you so much for all your work. And I just want to say, I see you. And my ICU this week, it goes out to a great friend of mine, a sister in this work, um, and somebody who really holds down our community, Fanga Misa. Uh, the reason why I want to recognize Fanga Misa is because um, not only of the great work that she does uh, at Samoan Solutions with her sister, Epi, because they both do amazing things. Um, there has been um, this person that has been curating an event with the Redwood City Library uh, centered around Pacific Islander um heritage right mm -hmm. and wanting to highlight it celebrate it and um has really been uh, what's the word like just just coming into you know just just representing our community while not being a part of our community mm. um and she's really inserted and in intruded into mm. um our community to try to make this happen, you know, and while intentions of course are good, right. The impact is different because it's all, you know, our community is based on relationships and how mm -hmm. we approach mm -hmm. and how we, how we, um, come at each other mm -hmm. and treat each yeah. other. And this person has just been coming in very like, uh, abrasively and folks, you know, folks are working with, um, that person and other folks are not, and they're just really trying to get their way, you know, through the community while they, you know, they do have um, an interest, mm -hmm. you know, in a lot of our cultures. It's just very unsettling because it's it's done in a very privileged kind of way. Mm. You know what I mean? So um, this person reached out to Fanga and myself and laid all this you know laid all this stuff out and so fanga hit me up and was like who is this person are you familiar with them do you know who they are mm -hmm. they're coming at me like they know me and I, I had to just tell fanga that like i had the same experience and i was i didn't want to do the negative thing i was mm -hmm. trying to be positive and work with the person but it just still was very off-putting and so fanga basically replied to the email and put her in her place and told her about herself. Mm. And in a very, you know, in a very professional way, in a very matter of fact kind mm -hmm. of way. And so just seeing, you know, just having her do that, it really encouraged me to respond to and just be straight up of like, you know, I, I try to warn you about this and it's, it's just not going to work. Right. right? I don't, right. we don't want anything to do with, with, with the events. Mm -hmm. So all of that to say that I just want to recognize Fanga because sometimes you just got to 
let people know. You <laughs> know, smack down. <laughs> check that. Check your privilege at the door. Mm-hmm. <laughs> check your 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 white gaze at the door. Mm-hmm. You know, and remind yourself that like That's this is a community about, you're not familiar with. Right. Think about how to approach and be a be of use to the community and not be a savior or <laughs> or, or like. Uh, a driver of the boat, mm-hmm. I guess, if you will, mm-hmm. in the community. So, yes. Fonga laid it down, and I just, I laid told her, I was like, "Girl, you about to be my ICU." <laughs> okay, so all of that to say, Fonga Misa, I see you, girl. <laughs> yes. Dang. Need um, and I just also, I wanna, I wanna give my love to the girls because when you were mentioning their names, it just really tugged at my heart. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm so proud of y'all. And to my Lea Lau family, mm. um, you know, rest in, rest in peace, Uncle Kida. My love and condolences go out to Auntie Margaret, mm. uh, Kyuke, Sonako, Sam. And Longo. <laughs> And all the kids, um, my condolences and my heart goes out to y'all. Uh, mm-hmm. That's a yeah. that's a real legend we just lost today. Yeah. So, yeah. Love. Well, <sighs> we have reached this part of the episode where, you know, just really want to show you a lot of love, Bola. Thank you so much Thank for you. coming in and dropping. So much science on us, you know. I, I feel like I'm gonna need to listen to this again and again uh, yeah. to just mm-hmm. reinvigorate myself, yep. um, and and you know formulate questions mm-hmm. or formulate ideas because right. there's so much that that's come up, and also to get going on uh, coordinating the webinar <laughs> yes. and touching base Let's with all the that. podcasters out there, so that we can really push the issue of how important it is for right. all of us to be counted mm-hmm. uh, in the 2020 census. Yes. Yeah. Um okay. how can or I guess we'll 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 uh put all of the information of mm-hmm. how folks can learn more. Yes. Uh yeah. if they have any more questions in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Um and uh yeah. Any 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 website or any pages um, you wanna plug yeah, that's I think, doing work? I think um the best place to go to get materials that are at least in language if you want if you're interested in getting information out to the churches since Many of them are our elders and mm-hmm. um, is countusin2020.org mm-hmm. backslash NHPI. Mm-hmm. Um, you will be able to access, I know they're going to post PSAs mm-hmm. um, that you can share. Please share everything on social media. Right. If you see information about census, repost it. It's a really good way to to engage our community and to contribute You know, with something that you have in your hand all the yeah. time. Um, and so I just encourage people to um, check that out. Uh, I think that's probably the best place to get um, Pacific Islander specific things. Make it trend. Mm-hmm. Make it trending. Yeah, and then on social media, I know that the girls uh, created. They are gonna. They're pushing uh, social media campaigns uh, I, on Instagram. They are NHPI Census, and so follow their content. Um, there's also another page called Other Pacific Islanders that is putting out content about Pacific Islander and census, you know, push their content out and make sure that we get as much information out there as possible about why this matters to our community. Absolutely. Thank you. 
Thank you, Paula. Thank you for being here again mm-hmm. and Thanks sharing all your me. wisdom. <laughs> and for the mimosas. <laughs> There's still one more bottle. Oh, we... That's <laughs> for the after show. The after pour. status. <laughs> okay, so as we always do, we like to ask our guests to offer up mm-hmm. a quote for the cultures to take us home. Yes. So would you please do us the honor? Yes. And, and I'm sorry, I forgot to, to plug my employer. Um, <laughs> I do consulting work for One East Palo Alto. I actually am employed by Orange County Asian and Pacific Islander Community Alliance, which mm. is in Orange County. I moved up here, but I'm working remotely, and I have an amazing team nice. that's doing work in Orange County. Um, our organization, Ocapica, is responsible for the Asian American and Pacific Islander census work in all of Orange County. So there's a lot of great work going on over there, and I really just want to send my love to my Ocapica family. Mm-hmm. Um, I did census work, or I was part of the organization 10 years ago when I was contributing to census in our community, and they actually housed a lot of our Pacific Islander organizations, including yeah. PIP, mm-hmm. Pacific Islander Health Partnerships, right. who are continuing to nice. do work. So nice. I just want to give them a shout-out. Shout-out to Ocapica. did not mention Hi, Marianne. Them. Hi, Marianne. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, I'm really excited that there's been a lot of buzz still about Epeli Ofa's work, mm. his essay, Our Sea of Islands, um, that people are talking about. Shout out to the Kakai Meitahi podcast for mm-hmm. continuing to have conversation around his work. Um, and this is a quote that most people know, but it really stands out to me as we're talking about what it means to have power for our mm. community when we're talking about something like census. Mm. So I want to offer that up. Um, we are the sea. We are the ocean. Oceania is us. We must wake up to the ancient truth and together use it to overturn all hegemonic views that aim ultimately to confine us again, both physically and psychologically. It is time we create things for ourselves to create established standards of excellence that match those of our ancestors. Power to the people, y'all. We'll catch y'all on the next episode. Peace, love, and happiness. Love. Bye. For the Cultures podcast is recorded at Stoneman Studios in Milpitas, California. Music is Girl Gang by Rocky Rivera. Donate today at paypal.me backslash for the cultures. Also, subscribe to us on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Like and follow us on IG, Twitter, and Facebook. This episode is brought to you by Cynthia McPeak and Tracy Lynn. Thank you for your generous donation in support of our podcast. We see y'all. What are we doing it for? We're doing it for the culture. culture.